Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. Thank you very much for spending your Friday evening with me if you're listening to this today. This is the Peddling Fiction Podcast, and I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Perfita. And I got a lot of stuff to talk about today. It's been a very busy Friday. There's a lot of news flying around. And I still haven't covered the earlier news from Monday of this week, which is the IG report that came out, as well as the Afghan papers that came out. And then we also had a big election across the pond over in the UK. That broke last night, and we want to talk about that a little bit. So you're not going to get too much witty banter from me today. I am all business. Let's just hop right into it, see how much of this I can get through. Because, uh, man, usually Fridays are a slow news day, and... um. There's been a lot of big stories to come out, not just the ones that I mentioned, but that we also had um, a lot of China trade deal talk coming out of Trump and China. Apparently, phase one of that deal is now complete. Uh, I don't think it's been signed yet, but both sides are saying that they've reached an agreement. And um, the Federal Reserve has been in the news a lot lately. And that, and that stuff's just, it's, it's a little too complicated to get into in this episode. So maybe next week we can tackle some of that stuff. But yeah, usually um, don't, get a lot of, don't get a lot of news on Fridays unless they're just trying to bury it and release it late on Friday so that, you know, they're hoping that nobody's paying attention and they can just kind of slip it by you and let the weekend, hopefully it, it blows over. But we got the IG report, came out Monday. This was the highly anticipated Inspector General report, for anybody not familiar with the term IG, it stands for Inspector General, and they were looking into FISA court abuses that the FBI may have fabricated evidence or lied to the FISA courts, so the gist of what happened, is, for those of you who have the, the short memory, because this was a couple of years ago, the FBI used this Christopher Steele dossier, which we now know is Christopher Steele was a former MI6 agent, I think it was. He's a former British spy, right? And he, he was hired by Hillary Clinton and the DNC and paid by this uh, company, Fusion GPS, with ties to Hillary Clinton and uh, the DNC. And, and he compiled this dossier, okay, which is full of all kinds of nonsense. A ton of it has been proven false o- over the last couple of years. But the FBI used that dossier, presented it to the FISA court to get warrants to surveil and wiretap uh, Carter Page, who was an advisor to the Trump campaign. That's what started this whole thing. So this investigation is into the origins of, the, of what the FBI presented to the FISA court and if that was all above board and they followed the proper procedures in order to get the FISA warrants. Okay, now FISA, um, this, this is one of those secret rubber stamp courts that you hear about. FISA stands for Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, okay? It was an act that they passed in like the 70s, I think late 70s. And the FISA Act, the FISA court was established under at least the guise of national security. 
so that all these three-letter agencies that do the spying for the United States, there could be some oversight as to what they were doing. They can't just go and spy on anybody, right? They, there has to be a process in place. This makes um, believers in government feel very good about the the whole thing that there's this process in place. Well, they can't just spy on anybody. They have to go to this court and they have to obtain a warrant. All right. And so the idea was that we'll establish this court. It will be secretive to everybody outside the court, everybody not involved in this, because we don't want anybody to know that we're spying on them. That would defeat the purpose of it. Right. But we just don't want all these three letter agencies running wild. So we'll create this court and they will have to present their evidence to the court and the court will review it and maybe they'll give them a warrant, maybe they won't. And the threshold for FISA courts to uh, acquiesce to the demands of these three-letter agencies is a very low threshold, okay? In a normal court, in the regular government courts, when when somebody goes to get a warrant, right? The, you know, you, you see all these TV shows where these cops are going to the judge in the middle of the night, like, we need a warrant, right? Well, you have to present probable cause. And probable cause is a very high threshold, okay? And this, this all has to do with the Fourth Amendment, all right? The Fourth Amendment says, it's very, I'll just read it to you right now, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall be issued but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. Okay, so not only do you have to present to the judge a probable cause as to why you you need this warrant, why you think you deserve to get this warrant, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to search this whole house, right? You have to say, this is what I'm looking for. This is where I think it is. And, and this is what I want to search, okay? You, like if you're looking for a larger item, say you're looking for a stolen vehicle, right? You think this guy stole a car. Well, you, you don't get a warrant to search the guy's whole house and start going through his sock drawer and his closet and stuff for a car because the car won't fit in there. That's ridiculous. You get a warrant for the garage and you say, I'm looking for this stolen Mercedes and I think it's in his garage. I, here's my probable cause. And then maybe the judge issues your, your warrant, right? With the FISA court, that all goes out the window, all right? They, first of all, the, the FISA courts have, let me pull this up right now. Okay. Now, th this is really unbelievable. Like, this is just, when they say rubber stamp court, that's almost doesn't even do justice to, to what these FISA courts are doing. And this is why it's so important that we get rid of the, we should have never had these secret rubber stamp courts in the first place. But over the 33 year period, the FISA court has been around. It's granted 33,942 warrants. That's how many they've granted. Now, how many do you think they've denied? All right. How many do you think? Take a guess. So they've granted about 34,000 warrants in 33 years. So a little over a thousand a year. How many do you think they've denied? How many times do you think the, the CIA or the FBI has gone to the FISA court and said, I, I need this warrant because of X, Y, and Z. All right, now you're thinking of a number. <laughs> the number is 12, 12 denials. That is a rejection rate of 0.03% of requests. So, I mean, this is just a formality. You go to the FISA court and you ask for a warrant. You don't have to, you don't have to show probable cause. You don't have to say what you're looking for. You basically just need to have a pulse. <laughs> Are you alive? Yes, Your Honor. Okay, here's your warrant. You just basically have to demonstrate a need. You could say, like, I need this warrant because I think this guy is, is doing something, or this guy's a spy. We need to spy on him. And they just give it to you. 99.97% uh, of the time, they give it to you. That is insane. That is, I mean, this is in direct violation of the Fourth Amendment. Because you can do this to U.S. citizens, which is what they did in this case. And the other 
big difference between a regular court system and this FISA court is that when you're trying to obtain something like what the FBI was trying to do to, to Carter Page, you have you know the prosecution and you have the defense and you go to court and you get to present an argument and the defendant gets to show up. You have the right to face your accuser in court. You have a right to defend yourself against the accusations that are being made against you. And none of this goes on in the FISA court. And so the FBI can present whatever they want. Uh, they could say they could just make up whatever they want. No wonder they they approve 99.97% of everything presented to them. Who's going to argue against it? Who's going to say, no, that's bullshit? <laughs> no, that's, that's fake. Now, all that's just bullshit. You're making that up. There's nobody there to do it. And so the FBI is able to lie to the FISA court, overstate the importance of the Steele dossier and their faith in the accuracy of it, which is what this uh, IG report confirms. They completely misled them 17 different accounts on Carter Page. They essentially ignored any information that would illustrate that it's highly, highly unlikely that Carter Page is this Russian asset operating within the Trump administration, right? Even by the lowest of standards that the FISA court has, this IG report has found that the FBI misled, had, to, had to mislead the court to the, to the tune of 17 different instances, 17 different infractions of how the FBI lied about what they were doing, lied about why they were doing it, fabricated evidence, misled this court, which, I mean, could you imagine having to mislead a court that approves 99.97% of requests? I mean, Jesus Christ, you must have literally nothing. You must have nothing to go on. Uh, one, one thing I was reading was they, you know, the FISA court wanted them to corroborate some of the the steel dossier and so they presented a in a uh, an anonymous anonymously sourced article that corroborated a lot of uh, what was was a question in the steel dossier and when you source that back it turns out that it was an article written by Christopher Steele <laughs> okay so they presented Christopher Steele as as corroboration for Christopher Steele's report uh, beautiful beautiful i mean this court is so pointless they'll accept anonymous sources as corroborating evidence <laughs> what what uh, yeah i got this anonymous source to corroborate everything uh, who is he uh, we can't uh, it's anonymous oh, okay that's that's good boom here you go here's your warrant and and this report you know this guy horowitz kind of chalks it up to um incompetence like oh these these stupid fbi agents they didn't do this they that that's ridiculous yeah they call it they call these errors and omissions as if these were mistakes that the fbi made these weren't mistakes this was intentionally done of course it was obviously obviously they knew what they were doing these aren't errors and it, it, like oops oops i forgot to do that or oops i forgot to tell you this no no, no. They knew exactly what they needed to do to get these warrants, and so that's what they did. They intentionally misled a court that that approves 99.97% of all applications. Uh, oh, okay. So they must really have nothing. I would love to see those 12 uh warrant, those 12 things that they didn't approve. Uh, the, those 12 cases that got denied. I wanted I would love to just be a fly on the wall to see what was going on with those with that process and why they possibly denied those 12. Anyway, lost once again in this whole discussion uh, of the IG report and FISA courts and, and just like everything else with the whole impeachment thing, uh, lost in this entire discussion is why do we have these FISA courts? Uh, sh isn't this uh, uh, unconstitutional? Isn't this a violation of the Fourth Amendment? Uh, uh, look at what they're doing. Uh, they're they're allowing 99.97% of these requests to go through so you can spy on the American people. Top-secret government rubber-stamp courts that, that just provide cover for the deep state to run wild. 
They don't actually accomplish anything that they were supposed to do. It's just we ha- we now have a process in place to alleviate any fears you may have had that, you know, the FBI would abuse their power at all, right? See, now all these government officials can point to this process that they went through as justification for everything. See, that we went to the FISA court. It's all on the up and up. It's all above board. We got everything that we need. We went through the proper channels. And we had, you know, we had this process in place. The process, the underlying process, is sound, except that, well, as it turns out, as this in, in, uh, Inspector General report shows, eh, they uh, lied about a few things. They withheld some information. It wasn't all on the up and up. They pretended to go through the proper channels. They pretended to go through the motions, but they left out a lot of stuff, and they lied to the courts. Okay, but. But, uh, and this guy, Michael Horowitz, the, the inspector general who's in charge of this whole thing, he was very clear in saying that none of this tainted the overall process. The report concludes that despite nearly everybody investigating President Trump hating him and that evidence was fabricated by at least one FBI attorney and that they misrepresented Christopher Steele's credentials, none of their bias tainted the investigation and the underlying process was sound okay that right there that portion is, is what the um the ma- the corporate press the mainstream media all the major publications and all the democrats and the fbi comey came out they're all hanging their hat oh this exonerates the fbi <laughs> okay that the idea that it wasn't politically motivated and that the underlying process was sound, despite the fact that they found, this is a quote, significant inaccuracies and omissions in their application to secretly monitor the Trump campaign uh, and advisor Carter Page, and that agents failed to meet the basic obligation to ensure the applications were scrupulously accurate. Okay, those are also direct quotes from the report. Despite all that, the underlying process was sound. So you can tell that this guy Horowitz, the inspector general, Michael Horowitz, is trying to not destroy the FBI by saying that this is so obviously politically motivated. They, 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 uh, they fabricated evidence. They, they completely misled this court. I mean, yeah, Horowitz basically has to come out. And this is one of the problems with the government the state in general, is, you know, you can't have the government investigating itself. You can't have that anywhere. It's not just a problem with the government. Like, you can't, like, the police investigate themselves. I talked about that on the last podcast. You know, you couldn't have, like, a company investigating itself. Uh, What's that going to, like, so Horowitz, is he is a government agent, and the government is going to look into itself. And of course, he's going to find that the underlying process was basically sound despite these like 20 different problems with it. And it wasn't politically motivated, uh, which obviously it was. We have text messages from Strzok saying like, we hate this guy. We're going to stop him. You you have him on, uh, you have those guys on 60 Minutes talking about how they were discussing invoking the 25th Amendment to, as a way to remove him from office. And they ultimately decided on this, this whole uh, Russia collusion witch hunt thing. So, I mean, obviously this is politically motivated, not like Republican Democrat politically motivated, politically motivated in the, in the sense that they don't like Trump. They don't want this guy in office. And so he needs to be removed, right? Because he's not, he's not uh, in the rank and file. He's not with the establishment in D.C. He wants to drain the swamp. We can't have that, right? But obviously he's going to come to that conclusion because the implications of him coming back and saying this was politically motivated, this was a hit job, they were trying to, they were trying to overthrow a duly elected president would have disastrous um, implications for statists everywhere for the FBI. I mean, heads would have to roll. Maybe people even need to go to jail if that's the case. And 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 then what are you going to do with the FBI after that? I mean, it certainly would be in need of some serious reform, wouldn't you say? If not, maybe a dare I say abolished altogether because we can't have them just running amok like this, trying to uh, uh, overthrow uh, presidents, can we? And what does it say about this whole FISA court process if they can be 
just misled completely into allowing a, the FBI to wiretap a, a person running for president or a sitting president at, at a certain point. Maybe we need to get rid of the FISA courts now because they're completely worthless. You can just lie to them, present whatever you want. Nobody can, nobody has to corroborate it. Nobody can refute it because it's top secret. It it brings all this stuff into question if he doesn't come out and say, oh, don't worry, the underlying process is sound. There's nothing to worry about here. And God knows we're not allowed to question our wise overlords in Washington. We're not allowed to question any of these processes they've put in place. We just need to fall in line. Yeah, fall in line, citizen. Nothing to see here. Move along. So, of course, this guy's got to come out and just toe this line. Yeah, you know, we found all these problems, and, and this is a problem, and they didn't tell us this, and they lied about that. We just need to clean this up a little bit. Like, yeah, they, they messed up here, and they messed up there, but overall, everything's fine. The underlying process was sound. So don't lose complete faith in government. We just need to tweak things a little bit. We got to clean this up over here a little bit and clean that up over here. But the underlying process, nothing to worry about, nothing to see here. I've heard the term close enough for government work, but Jesus, dude, even by government standards, this is sloppy. And I think they recommended like one one criminal referral. So that's all this turned up with some low level guy will end up taking the fall for all of this, I'm sure. But I mean, it basically Horowitz has come back with everything short of the, the FBI did this out of, out of political, uh, had political motivations to overthrow a, an elected president. Everything short of that, he basically says that, that they were guilty of. And man, the the headline is this exonerates everybody. Of course, everybody's exonerated. Comey's taking victory laps. When in reality, at least to me, as I examine this, the it, the FBI is not exonerated at all. They're either stupid or liars or both. Okay, uh, Comey should not be taking victory laps. The only people that this report actually exonerated were Donald Trump and Carter Page. Carter Page is completely exonerated. Turns out he was never a Russian agent or a Russian spy or anything like that. That was just completely made up. He was just some guy working for the Trump campaign. All of these alphabet boys, you know, like John Brennan, the former director of the CIA, who came out on national television over and over again and talked about how, oh, they weren't really using the Steele dossier as their main source of evidence to get these FISA warrants. They had all this other evidence, and it's coming, and you'll see it. Well, as it turns out, as we knew all along, as I said over and over on this program, that's bullshit. All they have is this fake steel dossier. And this inspector general report came to that same conclusion, that it played a major role in the first authorization of the FISA application. Okay. He's not exonerated. He's a lot. He's been proven to be a liar. He lied about that. Lied, lied to the FBI, lied to Congress, lied to everybody, the American people, national TV, you name it. He did it. Oh, we're not interested in that though. He's one of our trusted intelligence sources, right? We must believe U.S. intelligence after all. But do you remember when Donald Trump first came out and was saying that he was being spied on, he was being wiretapped or whatever, and the, and the media just immediately started pearl-clutching and, and, and saying how ridiculous that was and how crazy he is and all that stuff? Now it turns out, you know, uh, he, was, he was right about that. He was being spied on. Now that's not even a thing. It's like, yeah, we spied on him, but look at all, look at all these reasons we had to do it. <laughs> and they're all in this bullshit dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton and, and the, the, the DNC. But it wasn't politically motivated. No, 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 not politically motivated. Everything that we know from the investigation, from the Mueller report, all this stuff, it's so obvious that politically motivated that, I mean, what are we doing here? Why are we even going through all this? And by the way, I could have sworn there was something about collaborating with foreign governments to influence an election. Something like that might have made somebody upset once upon a time. <laughs> I mean, you really can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. This is, this is where we are like in the matrix. This is like a glitch in the matrix for two years. They run with this whole Russia collusion thing. Trump's co collaborating with foreign governments to influence an election. Meanwhile, they've been doing that the entire time, too. 
They, they were spying on, on a, a presidential candidate using opposition research from a foreign operative. <laughs> oh, my God. This is just insanity. But the real question is, why do we have this FISA court? If they're just going to approve basically 100% of what you give, there's no due diligence or anything like that. Nobody can prevent it, uh, present a defense. It, it just, this is just nonsense. This is nonsense. It's just so typical of government to have just a process in place that doesn't actually accomplish anything, doesn't do anything. It just gives the appearance of that everything's above board, everything's on the up and up. Ugh, this is just disgusting. This is why you can't have a state. You can't have a government that investigates itself. That's why these three branches of governments that are supposed to check each other's power doesn't work out why we went from the smallest government in the world to the largest government in the world and why they get away with all this corruption because you have the fox guarding the hen house like what are we what are we doing here this is insane okay let's move on shall we the other big story this week is that the house judiciary committee has approved articles of impeachment against trump and i know what you're thinking you're thinking, all right, great, we're going to get Trump for a quid pro quo and treason and bribery and all these high crimes and misdemeanors, right? Everything that they've been talking about for the last month or so. Well, um, it turns out that the articles that they've brought forth are for two things. That he abused his power as president and that he obstructed Congress. <laughs> okay, uh, Both of those are just... To an anarcho-capitalist libertarian, absolutely laughable. Okay, the idea that abuse of power, what they mean by abuse of power is that he abused his power by pressuring the Ukrainians to interfere in the 2020 election. That's his abuse of power. And I mean, I'm just thinking of all the other abuses of power that every president I know of in my lifetime and probably going back the last 110 years or so has has done far worse. I mean, the... The charges, just like with the Russia collusion thing, they just keep getting lesser and lesser, more of a stretch than before. How does this work exactly? Uh, Ukraine investigates a Ukrainian energy company, and they're interfering in the U.S. elections? What? Somebody explain the mechanism by which that is interference. And you know I like to point this out all the time. The government takes these words, which we all associate with certain meanings, and they totally pervert the meaning of them. Russia interfered in our election by placing Facebook ads, okay? Ukraine is interfering in our election by investigating one of their own energy companies. <laughs> like, how does that work? Oh, and by the way, to this day, there still has been no evidence whatsoever presented that Russia actually interfered in any meaningful way. In the 2016 election. Literally all we have is a bunch of intelligence agencies with a well-documented history of lying as the IG report laid out. And they're insisting that they did. That's all we have is, is intelligence agencies telling us that they did. Uh, okay. And to the casual observer, the average American, the average American that's less obsessed with politics than yours truly, they hear election interference over and over again year after year, day after day, and they just assume that Russia like hacked our uh, voting machines and changed votes around or something like that. See, interfering would imply that someone did something to prevent people from voting. If you're interfering, you are preventing a process or an activity from being carried out properly, right? That's what interfering is. That's what interference means. Like if you closed the polls early or physically changed people's votes or denied people ballot access, that would be interference. Simply supplying people with information, especially true, accurate information that they can then use to develop an informed opinion on who they would like to vote for, that's not interference, okay? The election process is still being carried out properly. Nobody is hindered or prevented from voting. The word they are looking for is influence, okay? This could influence the election. And I don't know what to tell you. Uh, tough shit. 
Like, did you do something or not? Do we need to get to the bottom of something or not? And if that hurts your campaign, uh, tough. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Except in no way, shape, or form is that interference. It's not interference at all. It's simply acquiring information. Yes, it may change your point of view for the election, but it's just true information. Isn't that the hope? Isn't that what all these proponents of democracy bank on? Is that we have a well-informed, wise, and virtuous electorate that's unswayable by propaganda? But if we're going to go with the Democrats' bastardization of the definition of interference, then everything is election interference. Isn't impeachment a year before an election interference? I mean, they're interfering with the election. What about all these political ads I see on TV and all these commercials? Oh, interference. Any news report that comes out, that fits their definition of interference. Everything. It's it's all interference. You see, when you swap influence and interference, everything's interference now. I see all these presidential candidates tweeting constantly all kinds of stuff. They're interfering in the election. Or the quid pro quo. What standard is that? Everything is a quid pro quo. What's Yang been doing for the last nine months? Bribing people with $1,000 for their vote? That's not a quid pro quo? He's not interfering in the election? What is every promise a politician makes if it's not a quid pro quo? And isn't that interfering in the election by their retarded definition? Of course it is. If if that's the definition we're going to go with, Trump's China deal that he's been boasting about all day and that China's been talking about, that's a quid pro quo, right? The deal is... China agrees to buy a certain number, uh, a certain amount of our agricultural goods, and in exchange for that, Donald Trump removes the tariffs. That's a quid pro quo, and it's a potential feather in his cap that he can use to run on for the next election. Should we impeach him for that? He's interfering with the election. (laughs) And then let's take this to its logical conclusion, Uh, something Democrats seem to be allergic to doing. If there's an election coming up, what, can I just not be investigated now? I can't be investigated because there's an election? I'm immune from investigation just because I'm running for office. That's the plan now? That's what we're going with? I could just go on a killing spree, murder three or four people, and, well, you can't investigate me because I'm running for office. That would be election interference. You can't interfere in an election? I mean, Jesus, dude, this Trump derangement syndrome never ceases to amaze me. Abuse of power. Abuse of power for interfering in the election. Uh, George W. Bush lied us into war, instituted torture. As Barack Obama famously pointed out, you know, uh, we uh, tortured some folks, (laughs) right? How about every war since World War II being illegal? You know, in the Constitution, it says Congress is the only part of the government that can declare war. Last time we declared war was World War II. That means every war since then has been illegal. Every war since then that the president has waged unilaterally, uh, that's the Korean War, the Vietnam War, everything in the Middle East, you know, Iraq one, Iraq two, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria. This is all abuses of power. Far more offensive, mind you, than Donald Trump calling Ukraine and saying, hey, you know, you might want to look into this whole uh, Biden, uh, Hunter Biden thing. It looks a little corrupt. A little corruption might be there. Maybe look into that. And speaking of Obama, how about Guantanamo Bay? Guantanamo Bay still open, where we imprison people indefinitely without trial. He drone bombed and killed three American citizens. Is that an abuse of power? You think? Maybe? Or how about the kill list that he had with American citizens on it? <laughs> They lied us into escalating the war in Afghanistan. We just had those documents released uh, uh, over the weekend, too. The Afghan papers, they're calling them. They detail all of the lies that we were being told to keep that war going, to allow us to escalate that war. It's all bullshit. Everything that they've been telling us. Par for the course, as far as our wise overlords in Washington are concerned. None of those are abuses of power. Uh, Remember the Pentagon papers back during the Vietnam War? Revealing the exact same thing, that we were lied into that. We were lied to to drum up support and perpetuate that bullshit war. 50,000 Americans died in that, or was it 60,000, something like that? So I think it's important that we keep some historical context in mind when we're going through all these impeachment hearings. 
why is historical context important? Well, for several reasons, one of which being the corporate press and all these uh, politicians are going to try to tell you that Donald Trump is uniquely evil, that he's the most corrupt president in our history, the history of the country, that what he's doing is unprecedented and highly detrimental to our democracy, that, that for the first time in history of the republic, the president isn't a good guy, when that's clearly not the case. I, I just rattled off like 10 things off the top of my head that were a million times worse than what the Donald Trump's being accused of. Donald Trump has done worse things than what he's being impeached for. So a bit of a historical context, just a smidgen of historical context will reveal that, oh, uh, Trump's not uniquely evil. This isn't unprecedented at all. Every single president in my lifetime has done what he's done, and actually far worse offenses have been per perpetrated. And it's not being used to necessarily justify what Trump is doing, as if you're pointing to previous bad behavior to justify current bad behavior. It's not what I'm doing here. It's simply putting these events in context, giving you some perspective, a, a frame of reference, if you will, so that maybe you'll sit back and think and realize, oh yeah, uh, what all these people are claiming is the end of the world, the worst thing a president has ever done, and therefore he's forced our hand in, in, to impeach him, well, that's all, that's all a bunch of nonsense. Because none of them seem to care about all these other historically documented abuses of power. The other charge is that he obstructed Congress, okay, because he hasn't turned over everything that they've subpoenaed him for. <laughs> and, and I mean... You want some more historical context? When Bill Clinton was impeached, I'm too young to remember, but I guarantee you he didn't turn over everything that Congress asked him to. This is like a legal process. This is ridiculous. Here's what happens, okay? They put forth that you need to turn over these documents. You get to make an argument that says, no, I don't have to, and here's why, blah, blah, blah. And then you go to a court, and a judge would make a ruling on whether or not you have to turn those documents over. But see, they don't want to do that. The Democrats don't want to do that because it would go to the Supreme Court. And, well, not only do they not have a majority in the Supreme Court anymore, but that would also drag this out and make it take a little longer. Uh, they, they, they want to get this out there. They want, to, they want to be able to pummel them over the head with this impeachment thing before the election, and they, and they don't have anything else to charge them with. So if the Supreme Court rules against them, well, then he's not obstructing Congress anymore. And now all they have is this bullshit abuse of power that nobody can say with a straight face that, that, that he's abusing the power of the office with that. I mean, come on, man. This is ridiculous. But I guarantee you, Bill Clinton didn't turn over everything that, that Congress asked him to. And I, I know for a fact that they didn't charge him with obstruction of Congress when, when, he, when he refused to submit to their subpoenas. This is all propaganda. They've literally got nothing to impeach him on because the things that presidents do that are actual violations of their oath of office that actually exceed the powers granted to them under the Constitution, nobody in government cares about those. In fact, they cheer them. They advocate for presidents to abuse their power all the time. They campaign on abusing powers. Every single Democratic candidate's platform, the entire thing, rests on abuses of power, of exceeding their constitutional authority. Every president in my lifetime, and like I said, you can go back 100 years at least, maybe even longer, have done far worse things than what Donald Trump is being impeached over, including Trump himself. And I've said many times on this show that I think Donald Trump should be impeached and tried for war crimes. And if you can't stomach that, uh, impeach him for blowing up the deficit and spending us into total economic collapse. Hell, I'll even entertain market manipulation. But abuse of power? <laughs> Obstruction of Congress? I mean, that's political nonsense. You have to ask yourself, why? Why are they doing this? There is something else going on here, obviously. And by the way, do I need to point out again that all of these Democrats, all of the corporate press... All these three-letter agencies and deep state actors, none of them seem to have any issue with investigating their political rival, 
when they were using this bullshit opposition research paid for by the Clintons and the DNC, lying to FISA courts so that they could spy on the Trump campaign and investigate their so-called ties to Russia. I mean, for two years, they peddled that without hesitation. Abuse of power. I mean, what did I just go over for the first 25 minutes of this show at the FBI? Unelected bureaucrats and all the abuses that they that, that the report laid out. 17 of them alone on the Carter Page application. How about that abuse of power? Oh, that's right. That wasn't an abuse of power. According to these politicians, they were exonerated. <laughs> what, what you call abuse of power, they call exoneration. What you call exoneration, they call abuse of power. I guess that's how it works now. I mean, that's basically what happened. The Ukrainian guy comes out and essentially exonerates Donald Trump, and then they accuse him of abuse of power. None of the things that they're alleging happened ever came to fruition. The Ukrainian guy, I'm blanking on his name, he came right out and said that they had no idea why the aid was being held up, or that they had any inkling that it was tied to this Biden investigation. That's a pretty weird way of going about a uh, quid pro quo, don't you think? Like if you uh, if you never state your demands and you never tell them what you want in exchange, how's that supposed to work? You'd be like the worst quid pro quo or ever. <laughs> it would be like me kidnapping you, but I don't restrain you or anything like that. I just take you out to dinner or something, or maybe I take you to Mexico with me. So. You're, you're, you and I are in Mexico. You're having a good time. You don't even know that you're being kidnapped. And then I never get out that newspaper and cut out all the letters and glue them onto a piece of paper stating that I've kidnapped you and this is how much money I want. I never do any of that. I never call your parents and make my demands, never send them the letter. And I guess I could even stipulate that I was planning on kidnapping you when I took you to Mexico, but I never end up, ended up doing it. I just brought you back. And, you know, like a week later, you fly back home and then some random third person, maybe from your office or something, when you return to work, just starts screaming that I kidnapped you. And you're like, wait, what? No, no, he didn't kidnap me. And they go, oh, God, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. I'm going to arrest him. (laughs) That's basically what happened here. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. I feel like Walter and Big Lebowski. Has the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one that gives a shit about the rules? Without ransom, there could be no kidnapping. <laughs> That's how ransom works. Without withholding foreign aid, there can be no quid pro quo. <laughs> That's how quid pro quos work. Trump didn't get the investigation, and they still got the money. Anyway. That's enough of that. I I really, I am so sick of this impeachment stuff. I just feel like I have to cover it because as ridiculous as it is, it is a big historical deal. We've only had a handful, uh, a few presidents be impeached. So this is a big deal. It's just dead on arrival. The Senate is never going to remove him from office. So what are we doing here? Why are we going through this charade? Okay, I got a little bit of time left, so I'm going to squeeze in the big story from last night and this morning, and it is coming via our friends across the pond over in the UK. They had major elections last night, and shockingly, it was a conservative blowout, bringing about the biggest majority the biggest conservative majority they've had over there since Margaret Thatcher. Okay, this was supposed to be the referendum on the whole original Brexit vote, which was years ago now. It's like three or four, maybe, God, maybe even five years ago. When was the Brexit thing? It was at least three years ago. Uh, they, the, the UK voted to, to um, exit the European Union, right? And the media took that as, you know, this fluke, it didn't it was a failure of democracy it didn't represent the the true will of the people you know the real people in the UK they don't really want a brexit those in favor of brexit didn't re- represent the majority and it was just this really close election and we need to have another vote on this so that the democracy can really prevail all right and th- and that's sort of the the narrative that the corporate press and the mainstream media over there have been peddling for the last few years. All this propaganda about how how the people really want to stay in the UK, 
And, you know, most people weren't really taking this seriously, so they didn't turn out to vote. That's why it was so close the first time. And they just underestimated all this. And, and these people really don't know what they want. They think they want a Brexit, but they, re they don't really want that. It would be really bad for the country. It would be, be a disaster. And I just got to say, after last night's election results, do you ever get tired of being wrong? It's really unbelievable because now all these people who bought into that media narrative, who really believe that they were going to overturn this initial vote, well, they're all devastated, right? And if I could just tell you one thing, as far as the media over here is concerned, the media is over there concerned, you're far better off just assuming the opposite of whatever they're telling you. I don't care what the story is. If what they're reporting, whatever they're saying believe the opposite, you will be right far more than you will be wrong. Uh, that's my new rule of thumb. If, if the media is saying it, think the opposite. The opposite's most likely true. And if it's coming from, you know, one of these intelligence agencies, well, my God, don't believe that. Believe the exact opposite of that, and you will be right far more than you will ever be wrong. You see, they aren't reporting accurately. They're peddling their point of view. It's essentially wishful thinking. They're propagandizing you to manipulate you in an attempt to influence you to see things their way. Uh, now, I suppose there's a chance that they truly believe everything that they've been saying because they live in this bubble where everyone around them views things the same way. But at best, in that case, they're being derelict in their duty as reporters. They don't have their finger on the pulse of the people because they don't get outside their bubble. But more likely, this is just the elitists and those who stand to gain from centralized power pulling the strings and trying to maintain their power by putting what's at stake with this election in the most apocalyptic terms ever. Just like our media has been doing with Donald Trump. But for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about... <laughs> For those of you who don't keep up with politics across the pond, and not like you should, you have pretty much no reason to. But that's why you tune into this show, because you know I'm going to give it to you straight, right? So Boris Johnson, who has been deemed by the corporate press as you know the second coming of Donald Trump, I actually don't think he has a lot in common with Donald Trump in terms of I don't know, philosophy. I don't even think he likes Donald Trump, but they do kind of look alike. <laughs> he's, got, he's got the same kind of shitty hairdo that, that Donald Trump has. He made a strategic decision to make this election all about Brexit. Okay, we, we were returning to the polls to get Brexit done, he said. He's the conservative party, and they, they call them the Tories. And then you have, um, among other things, the far left, which is the Labour Party, and that was run by this guy, uh, Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn, he's like a super hard-left, uber-liberal guy. And, you know, his message was similar to the message that the left has toward Donald Trump supporters over here. If you vote for Boris Johnson, you're a racist, you're a xenophobe, you have Islamophobia, you're a deplorable person. And to exit the European Union would be a disaster for the country. It would be the end of w the world as we know it. And as Johnson proved last night, support for Brexit under the terms that he has negotiated with the EU remains very high across the, the entire UK, particularly in the, the labor heartland where all the working class guys are. He won a massive majority there. And this, this election was supposed to be a foregone conclusion. Labor would prevail. The, the people really want to go for this far-left agenda. And a vote for Johnson proves that you're just this despicable person. It's a vote for racism and xenophobia. And if you support Brexit, well, you're just a, you're just a, a bad human being. And this vote, make no mistake about it, it was a landslide. He's got complete control because the people looked at the media narrative and all of the propaganda surrounding it, and they looked at this far-left crazy agenda that's going on over there, and, and they want to pump the brakes on it. And they said, you know, screw you and the horse you rode in on. This is a complete repudiation of this uh, media narrative. A giant collective middle finger right in the face for the second time. Oh, you didn't think the first time was definitive enough? 
It was too close for you? Here, here, try this one on for size. Up yours. How about that? You still think we're kidding? You still think we're just a bunch of deplorables that you can ignore? You can write off and look down your noses at? Well, screw you. We got a super majority now. And the parallels to the Trump victory and the ensuing reaction from the corporate press and the establishment in D.C. and the left in this country, it has to make you think about what next year's election is going to be like. It has to make you wonder if Trump will win by an even more definitive margin this time. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Donald Trump not only wins another term, not only wins the Electoral College, but he actually wins the popular vote on top of that? I mean, then what are all these people going to do? What are they going to fall back on? How are they going to remain in denial? What straws are they going to grasp at then? But the reaction over in the UK is hilarious. They're doing exactly what happened when Donald Trump got elected. They're rioting. Boris Johnson's not my prime minister. There are people crying. This is the first time I've ever cried from after an election. Any of this sound familiar? Uh, what are some of these headlines I was seeing? Hang on. Antifa protesters clash with police. Outside of Downing Street, furious leftist revolt over the election results. A left-wing newspaper advises people how to leave the United Kingdom after election loss. Not my prime minister, radical left marches against democracy. I find it hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious to me. Reading some of these comments on Twitter and the articles that are coming out about this election over in the UK that... True to form, all these people who claim to revere democracy and hold it in the utmost regard immediately just start trashing it as soon as the vote doesn't go their way. Immediately. It's as if, as I've said before, that these people don't actually believe in democracy. It's like they only believe in democracy as long as you vote correctly according to them. If the outcome isn't what they voted for, well then, as some have ironically pointed out on Twitter, this was a failure of democracy. <laughs> what? Uh, how is this a failure of democracy? This, is, this was precisely democracy in action. You have a democratic election, people voted, and you lost. Democracy literally prevailed. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. The majority of people have spoken, and now you must concede and live under the tyranny of that majority until the next election. Enjoy. <laughs> I mean, you should be thrilled. This was pure democracy, pure democracy in action. You should be basking in all this democratic glory. But what are they actually doing? Well, of course, they're insulting the people who didn't vote the way that they wanted them to vote. Now, all of a sudden, that they're on the losing end of things again and definitively, well, now all these people who are, in theory, are smart and virtuous enough to be trusted to vote and participate in the holy sacrament of democracy, well, they're all a bunch of inbred retards. They're dumb, uneducated, racist, xenophobes, they're Islamophobes, they're selfish, they're fascist, all this stuff. <laughs> they're just rattling off the insults now. They don't actually believe in democracy at all. In reality, they only believe in democracy when it allows them to impose their will on everybody else. They just like to use the idea of democracy, this noble idea where everyone has a voice, everyone is participating and included, to justify their desire to impose their will on you. Sure, we want everyone to have a voice, as long as that voice is in the minority, it's fundamental to our democracy. They just don't have the wrong voice. And as long as your voice, your wrong voice, is in the minority, and most people agree with me, hooray for democracy. All hail democracy. Uh, this is just hilarious to me. Hilarious to me. Actually, I was talking to a guy on Twitter. We were, we were kind of going back and forth, a little bit of an argument. And it turns out he's from the UK. And... Uh, we, we talked a little bit about the elections and everything that was going on. What a, what a fascinating time we live in. You can just be instantly texting somebody from the other side of the world for free. For free. I mean, I remember the days where we used to do long-distance phone calls. 
you used to have to pay per minute, like an outrageous amount of money. My mom had a friend in London and she would call and it was like, you, you had like a certain, like, okay, you got to get off the phone now because they're, they're charging us by the minute to talk on the phone. And you had to pick up the phone, you had to dial the, the country code and all this stuff. Now you just pick up your phone, you start texting and it's all free and it's instantaneous. And it's, you can send them videos, you can send them gifts and memes and everything. The, the wonders of capitalism. I don't know. I think it's important. You know, just take a step back and realize just how lucky we are. How great a time it is to be alive. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. But he was saying, he's like, yeah, you know, like the left over here has just gone completely insane. And a lot of people are just relieved that we stopped them. <laughs> and that, and that, that's most of the vote. Like, they're, they're not on board with this crazy left-wing agenda. And and so they voted for this guy. They're not they're not racist. They're not xenophobes. They're not Islamophobes. Uh, they just don't want you giving hormones to their kids. I I don't know what what kind of crazy left wing stuff's going on over there in the UK. I assume it's pretty much exactly the same as it is here. That that's the impression I get from it. But I I can only imagine uh, what 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 goes for crazy far left over in European countries. This, I mean, this is going to be good for them. Of course, they're, they're talking about having this whole Brexit thing situated out for, for official um, withdrawal January 31st. Now, they have not once hit any of these deadlines that they talk about. So forgive me if I'm not holding my breath for that to happen. But if they do ever exit the European Union, it will be like a weight lifted off their shoulders the albatross around their neck will be removed. This is going to be a good thing for them, in my opinion. Uh, when you have a, a, a... The European Union is like a derivative of a government. It's a government of a government. You have little... You have no representation over there. And you have no way of reeling them in. If you think corruption in your local government's bad or our federal government's bad, imagine if our federal government sent a representative to another country. <laughs> Okay, and and that guy's supposed to represent you. I mean, give me a break. But uh, you know, the the left, the mainstream media, all these people are going to tell you how how hor this is Armageddon. They'll never be able to survive without the European Union. The European Union is very young, it's younger than me. Okay, <laughs> it has not been around forever. All right, so they will be just fine without having to having to abide by all these ridiculous bureaucratic rules paying into this system and, and having no say over the regulations that, that affect their lives. So this will be a good thing. It's not a xenophobic thing. It's not a racism thing. That's all bullshit. It's all propaganda designed to make you tuck your tail between your legs and fall in line. And good for them. Good for them for, for sticking to their guns and, and winning an even bigger election. This will be liberating for them. And, and once it is, and once everything's fine, and it's not the Armageddon that everybody claims it's going to be, I'm sure we will not hear a peep. We will never get an apology from all these people, just like they do with everything. You know, net neutrality, that was going to be the end of the world. Turns out, yeah, it was nothing. No apology, no nothing. They, they, they blow all these things out of proportion. Nothing ever happens. Uh, people like me are always telling you that, no, you're completely wrong on this. It's going to be a good thing. They'll be fine. And then they just move on to the next issue. <laughs> they never address anything, you know, all, all these uh, all these things over in the Middle East. How we're saying they're they're going to be a disaster. They they lied us into these wars. Assad didn't gas his own people. Well, you know, like years later, all this stuff comes out. The Afghan papers come out, and they oh, it turns out yeah, they lied about all that. They they've been lying to you the whole time. <laughs> Do we ever get an apology? Do we ever get an acknowledgement? They're like, hey, you know, you were right about that. No, no, they're just on to the next thing. On to the next, uh, next political circus. So for all my friends and listeners across the pond, congratulations on your historic victory. <laughs> and I can't wait for you to get out from under that European Union. It'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. And uh, just buckle up. Buckle up because the, that crazy left-wing portion of your country, they are about to lose their collective minds. You're going to get your own version of Trump derangement syndrome over there. And, you know, just enjoy, just uh, indulge in a little good old-fashioned schadenfreude, which for those of you not familiar with the term, is taking pleasure in the misery of others. 
And um, yeah, you're going to get to watch them just melt down into complete and utter insanity. And then you'll know what we've been going through over here for the last three years. Pretty incredible. Anyway, I'm running long. It's officially time to end this episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. And if you did, please do me a favor. Make sure you share the show with two of your friends. Download and subscribe. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this. Go in there. Give me a rating and review. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Uh, Get access to the greatest meme folder on the internet. And if you want to support the show monetarily, go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com. You can donate from there. You can join uh, my mailing list. And if you can do all that, I will be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Thank you.